Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. We're going to be in John chapter 3 this morning. This is week number 3 of our study through uh, the Gospel of John. And we're going to take a look at chapter 3. So as we dive in there this morning, we, we talked a little bit about this, I think, last week. One of the things that I like about the way that John presents things is he does record several of these more intimate conversations that Jesus has. Now, he still gives us some insight into the, the large-scale sermons and things that Jesus uh, preaches over his, his time in his ministry. But here, in, especially in chapters 3 and 4, we get this glimpse of, of Jesus in a very personal setting, um, speaking with someone and sharing very profound truths with them. And I think that's really interesting to, to look at as we, as we look at Jesus' life and how he conducted himself as he was on the earth teaching. So as we get into chapter 3, Jeremy, why don't you kind of kick us off. We, 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 be, we ended chapter 2 where we talked about Jesus cleansing the temple. We talked about really that first miracle that he performed. And now as we get into chapter 3, we see this interaction that takes place with this, this man named Nicodemus. Why don't you kind of kick us off as we, as we dive into chapter 3 this morning? Well, I think, you know, you've already made mention. I do think it's interesting how John gives us almost this one-on-one interaction, which we don't get very often in mm-hmm. the other uh, Gospels. With Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when Jesus is found teaching, predominantly he is found teaching. If he's not, you know, just to his 12 apostles mm-hmm. talking to them about something, it's massive crowds. I mean, we're talking thousands of people yeah. uh, at times. And and I think sometimes the numbers of that is difficult for us to, to even comprehend, that he would be at, di- at different moments. I mean, we're talking thousands upon thousands of people that he would be uh, speaking to or that would be following them around. But yeah, John here gives us uh, a picture, as you may mention, in both this chapter and the next one in John chapter 4, which we'll cover next week. And now he's, he's just talking one-on-one. He's doing that level of teaching. And, and I think for us, the application of that is, is important. We, we often will make reference to there's a lot to learn from Jesus and his teaching, mm-hmm. but there's also a lot to learn about teaching from Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we make reference, he is the master teacher. He is the perfect teacher in all circumstances. And for us, usually, we're going to find ourselves much closer to a conversation spiritually like Jesus has in John 3 and 4 (laughs) with one person than, you know, standing in front of thousands or standing in front of hundreds even and and talking about spiritual things. And so not, not just looking at what he says, which is important, and we're going to do that, but also I think in these next couple of chapters to also make some notes about how it is that he communicates mm-hmm. these spiritual things. And really, in both ways, he's going to take, you know, we'll get into it, not to certainly give it away right here at the beginning, but he's going to be able to really more from very physical kinds of things that Nicodemus here in chapter 3 and the Samaritan woman in chapter 4 are very familiar with, but then very interest in an interesting way to move that into a spiritual direction. And that mm-hmm. is something we have to be able to do. And we've made mention here, Jesus is the master at that, and I think we need to take note, certainly, in these two chapters. Yeah, I think one of the things we see here with with Jesus is when he finds someone who's genuinely curious, he latches onto that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And and like you said, there's so much application for us 
to that today. I think sometimes we get a little bit discouraged because you know people aren't just in droves walking into the church building asking to be taught about <laughs> Jesus. But there are a lot of people in our community, in our world today, who are curious. There are a lot of people who have questions. And that, that's really what Nicodemus had. He, yeah. He's like, I, you know, I know what everybody's saying about you. I've seen what you can do. That means there's something special about you. He, he's trying to put all the pieces together. And, and he comes to Jesus looking for that. And there, truth be told, there are a lot of people in this world who are trying to put all the pieces together. Right. There are a lot of people who are curious who, who, who know that there's something out there more than just the physical things that we see, but they, they just haven't been able to see the whole picture yet. They just haven't been able to put it all together yet. And there are so many opportunities for us to step in in that situation and do exactly what Jesus did, to, to take their curiosity and their genuine interest in spiritual things and help them see the entirety of the picture. And man, if we can do that for, for just one person, or but the, the opportunities I, I really believe are endless. I think sometimes we, we get discouraged because we live in a society that's somewhat skeptic and, and cynical about religion in general, and, and there's certainly some truth to that. But there are a lot of people who are curious, and that means that there are a lot of opportunities. And Jesus recognized those, he saw those, and he took advantage of those. And as you were pointing out, I think it's, it's incumbent upon us to try and do the same thing, to look for those people who are curious, who are asking questions, who are, who are just unsure, want to know more, and try and take advantage of those and introduce them to Jesus. Yeah, and I mean, what we're going to see, especially here in these next two chapters, in John 3 and John 4, is both of these conversations happen at what we would almost constitute inconvenient times. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's not just, you know, Jesus had a table set out with a sign on it that said, hey, you know, you're interested in having a spiritual conversation, you know, have a seat. And, you know, Nicodemus sits down, he says, hey, I'm interested in having a spiritual conversation. I mean, it just doesn't happen that way. I mean, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night, Mm -hmm. and he comes to him at a time that, you know, you may read this and think, well, you know, maybe that's just John telling us, hey, it was just nighttime. He's just giving us the time of the day. But at the end of the Gospel of John, when Nicodemus pops up again at at Jesus' death, it's mentioned that at once he came Mm -hmm. to Jesus by night, but now he's willing to come out in the open. So Nicodemus is coming to him at a at night at a time that's super late when there's not a lot of people moving around. Mm-hmm. And he shows up at Jesus in John chapter 4. Jesus is on a journey. He's passing through. He just wants a drink. He's getting a drink of water. Yeah. And he takes the time to, you know, have that conversation. And ultimately stays multiple days even, you know, mm-hmm. pauses his journey for multiple days, you know, to deal with that. And so it's interesting that these two conversations happen at what would constitute you know, kind of inconvenient moments. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you're right that I, I think we are surrounded by many more opportunities to talk about spiritual things than we ever understand or can believe. Yeah. Because I think oftentimes we're looking for them just in the small, convenient windows that is works out for me. And we're missing all of the opportunities that we're surrounded by. And Jesus is a perfect example and teaches us that when there's an opportunity to talk to somebody about spiritual things, it takes precedence. Yeah. It takes precedence. As, as a, a child of God, it needs to take precedence that well, we need to take that opportunity. And regardless of what's going on, we need to take that opportunity and have that conversation. And, and that's what we see from Jesus, not just here in these two chapters, mm-hmm. but I mean, throughout his life, yeah. he showcases that, but most certainly showcases it here in John 3. I think the other side of that coin is that those opportunities 
are sometimes going to come from sources that we're not necessarily expecting. You know, in this situation, you know, Nicodemus, we're told, is a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. And the fact that he came to Jesus by night probably meant that he didn't want anybody to see this. Right. You know, he wanted to do this a little bit on the, on the down low. And then, you know, we get into chapter 4, and who's he talking to? He's talking to not only a, a he's talking to a woman right. there. And, and you just begin to see all of these, these individuals who come from different places and different backgrounds that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be the ones that were coming and searching out Jesus. And I think it's really important that we we take advantage of this teaching opportunity here to recognize that's going to be the same thing in our lives today. The people who are searching, the people who are curious, the people who want answers to questions, they're not necessarily going to be the ones that we would expect to be interested in those things. They may come from places that we're not expecting them to come, or they may look like people that we wouldn't expect to be interested in Jesus. We need to be open to that and ready in those situations and not making judgments about people that would then pro- prohibit us from, from reaching out and trying to help them in, in their search for Christ and a better understanding of who he is. And so not only the, the, the side of, of us taking advantage of opportunities, regardless of whether it's convenient for us or not, but also making sure that we're looking for those opportunities in places that we didn't always expect them to come from. Because I think that's what we're seeing here with Jesus is that these individuals that are coming to him, a lot of other people would overlook them and think those aren't the ones that are going to be interested in Christ. I'm going to go look for someone else. When in reality, those are the very ones that, that needed Christ the most. Well, I think it's one of the main reasons that John includes these two discussions for us is to showcase that very point that Jesus is he's not holding to the biases, the physical biases that everybody else is holding to. He's not doing that prejudging. He's not doing that stereotyping that, you know, certainly was an issue for them then, but continues to be an issue for us today. I mean, that really is, is showcased in John 4, where he's talking there to the Samaritan woman, and, and I mean, his disciples are, I mean, they're, bl- they're blown away by mm-hmm. that, that this, he's even having that conversation. Not so much here in John 3, because I think it's a very private conversation mm-hmm. that happens here. As you made mention, Nicodemus is making sure no one else, I, I think, on purpose, yeah. even knows he's talking to Jesus here. But Jesus is there, Jesus is ready, and he's willing to have this conversation, which ultimately, from Nicodemus' side, who is open and he is honest when he comes to Jesus and he's got some questions and he's got some concerns and he's got some good questions here. Mm -hmm. And I think he also showcases what really becomes one of the biggest struggles for the people when they're dealing with Jesus is that really understanding that difference between the physical and the spiritual side of Jesus' teaching. And Nicodemus is struggling with that, and he comes to the right place seeking the answers. And he does so in an honest and in an open way. And ultimately what you see unfold is a very honest and open conversation yeah. that Jesus has with them. I love the way that Nicodemus, Nicodemus begins his conversation. He says there in verse number two, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. You almost get this impression that he's he's asking a question that's not really a question. He, he's wanting some validation to what he has seen and what he believes. And I, I, just, I just really find that interesting. It's like he, you almost get the impression he's not exactly sure where to start. Yeah. But he, he has seen what Jesus has been able to do, and he recognizes that only someone from God is going to be able to do that. 
And so he wants more information, but he doesn't really know where to start. And I, I've just always found that interesting, the way that he begins this conversation. Because as you said, he does follow up with some questions. He's got a couple of questions here that he asks after the fact, as Jesus kind of dives into this a little bit more deeply. But at the beginning, he's almost just unsure where to begin. And so he just kind of says what he's seen, what he believes, and he wants Jesus to kind of carry the conversation from there. And I think that's, that's a really interesting approach. And it's one that I think we, we've seen today. I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there who, you know, they have beliefs about things and they just want some validation or maybe some clarification or some better understanding about things. They're not really sure where to begin the conversation, but they're interested in learning more. That's where Nicodemus is. And I think that mindset is one that's to be applauded. There may be situations in which you're not really sure what questions to ask. Maybe you don't know where to begin. And it's up to, to us, I think, in our own opportunities to teach, to, to recognize that in someone and to kind of help the conversation along from time to time. And as you pointed out, Jesus does such a good job of that here. He, he recognizes where Nicodemus is and his understanding. And he begins to, to help him and challenge him and teach him. Uh, as he leads him to a better understanding of who he is. Yeah, Nicodemus comes to Jesus here with honesty, and, and that's, all, that's all you can ask you know, for from people. I mean, we're going to see, certainly in the other Gospels, and even in John's Gospel, I mean, you see it even in chapter 2 a little bit, a, a lot of times the Pharisees are not coming to Jesus with honesty. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're able yeah. to see the reality of what he says, and they're certainly able to see the reality of the things that he was able to do, but they were pushing it all aside because they didn't want to give up their own authority or power. Yeah. I mean, they were willing to push the reality of what they were seeing and hearing to the, to the side, and that, that's deceiving themselves when they do that. Well, Nicodemus is doing that. Right. Does he understand it all? He doesn't. Right. And I think that's why he comes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But he's certainly not pushing that aside. I mean, he hears what Jesus says, and he notices that Jesus is speaking with authority. He's certainly seeing what Jesus is able to do, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. takes notice that only someone from God is able to do that. He may not understand all of that, but yet he's still being honest with himself. And so he, he comes to Jesus, and, and you're exactly right there in verse 2. I mean, he kind of starts, and you're, I don't know if it's a question or a comment <laughs> or what's happening, but he just kind of throws himself on Jesus as, you know, I, I don't even know what to say here, yeah. but I really feel like I need to come and talk to you. I mean, that's almost where Nicodemus is. I, I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I just feel like we need to have a conversation. And, and Jesus is so good then at steering mm-hmm. this conversation. And I think for us, we've made mention of it a couple of times already, well, we've got to be able to do that. Because sometimes you get into a conversation with people, even about spiritual things, and they just don't know where to go. Yeah. They know they have questions, or they know they have thoughts, or they know they have you know, kind of uh, you know, things in their mind, but they just don't know what to do with them. We've got to be able to decipher some of that and then steer that mm-hmm. conversation where it needs to go. And that is exactly what Jesus does here as he kind of opens the door about being born again. And then he's able to take that ultimately steering Nicodemus through some rocking spots here yeah, in the conversation, yeah. but ultimately getting him exactly where Jesus wants him to go. I love how, and this is the case with Jesus almost all the time when he's teaching, he's not going to just say, okay, sit down and let me spell it out for you. I'm going to get right. my whiteboard and I'm going to draw it out for you. <laughs> and then you're going to walk away and be like, okay, I got it. You know, when he, when he brings this up and says, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
He didn't expect Nicodemus to say, oh, okay, thanks, and, and leave. See you, see you yeah, tomorrow. Thanks, appreciate, appreciate the help. That, that wasn't the intent. Yeah. He's opening a door, and he's allowing Nicodemus to think about this, uh, to think about what questions that's going to bring up, because naturally that's going to bring up some questions for him. He's going to allow him to ask those questions, and then he's going to build upon that. And so it's this, it's this idea of, of really recognizing how to go about teaching it's not always beneficial to the one who is trying to learn to just be sat down and lectured. You, right. you need to try and lead them and allow them to think through this and process information and ask questions. And that's exactly what Jesus does. You know, he opens this door for Nicodemus. He knows he's going to have questions about this. And that's exactly what Jesus is wanting. He's wanting, him to, he's wanting to challenge him and wanting him to think about these things. And I think that's, that's such a good example for us. You know, when we, when we try and teach people, either, either someone who's new to the gospel or even teaching in Bible class settings or sermons or whatever it might be, challenge people to think about things. Don't just sit them down and t- say, here's what to think about it, but allow them to process this information and ask questions and sort through it for themselves. That's where real learning comes, that's where real learning happens. And, and Jesus was so good at that. And right here with Nicodemus, you can just see him setting him up. He's just setting him up to begin thinking through this and processing the information that he's going to give to him. He puts him in a position ultimately where he can understand. Mm -hmm. And that's where Jesus is trying. He could have laid on him from the beginning, but Nicodemus is going to struggle with that. And so Jesus understood that he's got to take him through this process. And so he makes mention there, as, you, as you've as you said about, you know, you, you've got to be born again. And if you can't do that, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. And of course, there Nicodemus is, is only thinking about that idea from mm-hmm. what he understands about being born. And, and he kind of fires at Jesus. And, you know, it, it may come across, you know, in verse four as kind of a silly question or almost sarcastic. And I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's mm-hmm. Nicodemus kind of, you know, thinking, well, you know, I understand what being born is all about. I'm an old man. I mean, mm-hmm. how, how am I able to, you know, be born again? Am I to go back into my mother's womb and be mm-hmm. born again? And, and Jesus then responds to that by talking to him about we, we, there's a physical side of things and there's a spiritual side of things. And even though you may have a struggle of understanding what that is, you still understand that. And he uses there in verse 8, still something that Nicodemus knows and he, he makes mention of the wind. He says, you know the wind is there. You feel the wind, but you can't see the wind. You, mm-hmm. you don't know where the wind is coming from. I mean, you don't, you don't know if it's coming or going or, or what. You don't know who's in control of that, but you know it's there. And now he's started to move him through this understanding of, you know, we can grasp the spiritual side of things because mm-hmm. it's using a piece of our mind that we use already. Mm-hmm. And so you see this step-by-step process that he's working him towards ultimately to get him down to, hey, believing on me is mm-hmm. going to bring about salvation. That's ultimately where he wants Nicodemus to go. And now he's really setting him up to be able to get him there. Yeah. And, you know, the, the idea of d- distinguishing between the physical and the spiritual is one that much in the New Testament deals with. You know, Paul talks about that a lot in Romans. We're, we're studying through 2 Corinthians right now. 
In 2 Corinthians 5 and 6, Paul deals with that a lot. There's Christians in Corinth there that are still struggling with this the physical side of life and the spiritual side and, and how we're supposed to be spiritual beings if we're in Christ. And that, that's a challenging thing to really understand and grasp. But Jesus is introducing that idea here to Nicodemus, and it's one that, that is going to be continued on throughout the New Testament because he's showing just how important it is to recognize that being in Christ means everything changes. Right. The way you think about things changes. The way you think about birth changes. The way you're going to think about death changes. Everything is different when you're in Christ because you're now looking at things from a spiritual perspective instead of a physical one. And I think right out of the bat or right out of the gate, that, that is something that, that everyone needs to try and understand if you're going to come to a true understanding of Christ, what He's done for us, and who we are as Christians and followers of His. Because we have to be able to distinguish between the physical and the spiritual. But as you're pointing out, and as Nicodemus is kind of indicating to us, that's a challenging thing to get sure. your mind around. You know, that, that's not an easy thing because everything that we know, everything that we see, everything that we touch is physical. Right. And that's what we understand. That's what we know. And so to, to challenge ourselves then to change our perspective and look at things from a spiritual perspective— that's going to be a challenge for someone, especially in the early days of their understanding of, of Scripture and understanding of Christ and being a follower of His. But that's what Nicodemus is going through here. Right. I think that's what everybody is going to go through at some point or another, where you're going to challenge yourself to really think about that. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. And he, I think he's pointing him back even to, to some prophecies in Old Testament times and be like, this isn't really something that should surprise you. You should have seen this coming. There, were, there have been people talking about this for a long time, and that's going to be a consistent theme that we see Jesus use uh, throughout his ministry because he's going to continue to point back and say, you guys really should have seen this coming, but this is something that you can look back upon. He's a Pharisee. He knows the old law, and you can see how they're pointing towards this time. You can see how they're pointing towards Christ and pointing towards this the spiritual life that a follower of Jesus is, is to be. Yeah, and you know, you, you really make an interesting point about the fact that now Jesus is He's going to give Nicodemus here some things to think about, things that he already knows. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, I mean, we make reference to Jesus' parables and the way that he teaches a parable that he's making those spiritual applications, but he's using physical things that people yeah. know about. Mm-hmm. I mean, you take the parable of the sower, and he's he's talking to a group of people that understands what it means to to put seed in the ground mm-hmm. and understand what it means if if thorns are in the way or stones are in the ground or if it's a dry ground or it's good ground. I mean, he, under, he knows his audience understands those things. And now he understands his audience. He knows what ni- the things Nicodemus knows. Mm-hmm. He, he knows that Nicodemus is familiar with the old law, mm-hmm. the prophecies there. He, he makes reference even to a story in verse 14 about, you know, you know Moses, you know, lifting up the serpent. And, you know, there, we could go back and, you know, we don't have certainly the time here to go back and read all about that. But, you know, there's an incredible pestilence and sickness and plague there that's bothering people. And, you know, the serpent, you know, bronze serpent is lifted up and the people that came and, and looked looked upon it and went there, they, they were healed of that. And, and Jesus knows Nicodemus is familiar with that story. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to take something that Nicodemus is, is very familiar with, with that story and even with the application of it, that the people went there and because of that, being there and seeing that, they're saved. And so Jesus is going to use that exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent, 
So the Son of Man is going to be lifted up. And he's going to use that same idea that with the Son of Man being lifted up, that's going to bring about salvation. Now with Moses and the, the people of Israel, it was a very physical, mm-hmm. disease kind of healing. Right. Now Jesus is in the spiritual world, but the same points are there, and it's used off of something that Nicodemus can grab hold of. And then ultimately, that's how he's working his way to what maybe is the most well-known you know, verse in the entirety of the New Testament. But it's, it's built off of this idea that Jesus is going to be the key to salvation. Just like that serpent was the key to salvation physically for them then, Jesus is going to be the key to salvation spiritually for Nicodemus mm-hmm. and ultimately for all of us today. I love how he's—you can almost—as I picture this conversation taking place— when he gets to that point, you almost imagine a light bulb going off over Nicodemus's head, because I think it's at that point where he begins to tie these things together that he's been talking about. You know, the new birth, the physical, the spiritual, referencing back to the to the old law, referencing back to Moses and the and he kind of ties all of those things together, and he shows Nicodemus how they all work together and how they all lead right. to this moment right here, right now. And I think it's at that moment where there's like this this aha moment for for him. And I think uh, there's uh, the, those types of moments. I think exist for all of us in certain ways and at certain times where all of these pieces to this big huge puzzle begin to come together yeah. in front of us, and we're like, it all makes sense now. And, and I th- certainly, I know Nicodemus had a long way to go. And he had a lot of learning still to do. But I think as Jesus tied these things in for him, I think that moment began to take place for him. And that really is a beautiful thing when you see it in someone else's life. When you can kind of see them put the pieces of this puzzle together and come to an understanding of what is being talked about. And and Jesus was so good at that. So right. good. It's going to happen again in chapter 4. He's just, he's just so good at helping lead people to the place in which the light bulb comes on. And I think, man, that's, that's such a challenge for us today to do very much the same thing. But I think that's what we're called to do yeah. is, is to, to recognize what people know, what they don't know, what their experiences have taught them, where they need to be, and then help lead them to the point where they can kind of put all those things together. And when that happens in someone's life, I mean, it's just it's such a beautiful thing to see and such a powerful thing to see because their faith then really becomes their own and it's taken to the next level because they now come to a deeper understanding of the truth. And and you see, and certainly in John's gospel, Nicodemus's faith in Jesus and as the Son of God going to the next level. I mean, we we see him here, you know, in John chapter 3, you know, secretly coming to Jesus Mm -hmm. by night so no one sees him, and he has this conversation. And I I have to think, without John chapter 3, we don't have the Nicodemus that we see at the very end of the Gospel of John, where Jesus dies, and it's not nighttime. Nicodemus steps out in the light. He steps out in the daytime, and and, and he professes, you know, in every way that he's a follower of, of the man who had just died. And that would not have happened without this interaction. And and sometimes, and I know it's Jesus here, but to understand the impact that just a simple conversation, I mean, a simple conversation can have on someone moving forward. 
I mean, it's just, we, we just don't know. We don't know what the end. We don't, understand, we don't have a full grasping of what that impact is. But it can, be, it can be profound because that's the power of the gospel. It's what Jesus does. And, you know, in this whole chapter here, you know, the key becomes, listen, believing on Jesus and who he is is the key to salvation. I mean, we've got really, I mean, just like a minute to go, and I feel like, you know, we barely, you know, scratched the surface. But, you know, even the yeah. end of this chapter where, you know, John will talk again, Again, about John the Baptist, and we've talked about John the Baptist already in the first couple of weeks, where John the Baptist again is is pointing everybody to Jesus. People are trying to give him, you know, credit for things, and he's like, "Listen, I don't have anything to do with it." And he, he talks about all of these things again, but ultimately, you know, he's making his way to verse thirty six, which is the very end of this chapter. And you know, John three sixteen gets a lot of publicity. Mm-hmm. But really, John 3.36, and really, in essence, is the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. That here in John the Baptist conversation where he says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. I mean, it's the exact same thing as John 3.16. And so now you're able to get this full picture about what this chapter is about that you have Jesus and you have John basically mm-hmm. pointing people to the fact that Jesus is going to be the key to everlasting life. Nicodemus grabs hold of that, yeah. and we see that playing out certainly in the, in the rest of, you know, Gospel of John, and I think ultimately the life of Nicodemus. And there's, there's a really good study to be had in, in John chapter 3 about what belief really is, yeah. because I think some people would look at, at the first verse or the second verse there, and say, well, Nicodemus already believed. He came to Jesus and said, you know, you're a teacher from God. You know, you can't, nobody except the one from God can do these things. He already believed. Well, that, that requires a deeper understanding yeah. of what true belief is. And I think John chapter 3 is a great picture of that because what Nicodemus had at the beginning is not the same thing that he had at the end. <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and, and what we're really seeing is someone who came to a true belief of who Jesus is, not just this, yeah, I think I, I know a little bit about this guy, and yeah, that, that sounds like a good good explanation for who he is. That, that's not the belief that Jesus is talking about. It's not the belief that John the Baptist is talking about. There's a, a deeper understanding that's required for someone to really come to the belief, biblical belief, on who Jesus is. It's the belief that spurs Nicodemus to step out into yeah, the day. Exactly. I mean, that's what we see. That, that is the belief that causes him to step out, you know, at the very end of, of the life of Jesus. Again. Absolutely. We'll go ahead and stop there. I know we, we kind of uh, sped through the last half there of chapter 3, but hopefully maybe this has given you some things to think about and you can do some studying on your own as well. But thanks for uh, taking some time out of your day to study along with us, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.